Uh, big welcome. Uh, my name's Matt. Um, I am the senior pastor uh, at One Hope here at One Hope Church. Uh, we have uh, three services across two locations. Uh, I do tend to alternate between the two locations. Some, some Sundays I do all three. Um, that's always a big day, um, but it's you know it's great to. Um, uh, it's always great to be here and great to see so many people coming out to worship God. Uh, if I haven't met you, particularly if you've been here for a little while and I haven't met you, please come up and introduce yourself uh, to me. Uh, it's, it's a little easy to get uh, lost in the crowd, but I really love meeting new people, so um, would love to meet you if I haven't met you already. Um, the, the prayer night tomorrow night, I really encourage you to lean into that. We you know, with these, these nights, and we're going to have more of these, uh, I, you know, th- th- this isn't, we just didn't come up with a good idea and think, oh, yeah, let's pray for that, you know, uh, kind of roll the dot. No, there was a real sense in God that this was the thing, uh, this was the thing that we needed to pray for. And more and more, I feel like these focused nights are, are going to, I think, um, they're going to be moments where we are going to see a move of God in these areas. Because when God calls us to pray about something, I believe it's because he wants to do something about that. And, uh, and this is an area, and I know there's so many parents and grandparents who have been praying and, and longing for breakthrough for children and grandchildren, and we are going to see God do something. Because God is a God who brings home the lost. And so we're going to come together and we're going to pray. We're going to take hold of God in faith and we're going to pray together tomorrow night. Uh, so please uh, join us uh, for that. Now, um, I'm actually, a couple of weeks ago and again today, I'm going to talk to you a little bit more about prayer, actually. God, above everything, wants a relationship with us, a personal relationship. And as I've said, relationships are built on communication. Relationships consist in communication. And this is an area that for so many people is, uh, is an area that is associated with despair, with discouragement, maybe guilt trips. It's something that people feel like they don't do enough and, oh, yes, I should do that more and I feel really bad about not you know, praying and, and I feel so unspiritual. And there, there seem to be these, these kind of obstacles. And, and I know those very well because one of the most important elements of my journey over the last, particularly the last 15 years of my Christian life, has been a journey discovering a very beautiful place of fellowship and intimacy with God. I've been through all of the, you know, all of the obstacles and the guilt trips and the, you know, um, trying to pray and, and your mind wandering everywhere and feeling bad about it and think I'm such a bad Christian and, and then, you know, uh, trying to just through sheer discipline, discipline's important, you know, put time aside and, and pray. And, but I was always kind of, you know, to be like, oh, gee, it's sort of half an hour, like, oh, that should do. Shouldn't it? I think that'll do. Like, tick the box. Uh, I think that's enough. I mean, you know, uh, you know, and if it was like 45 minutes, oh, gee, I'm feeling really spiritual today. 45 minutes, you know. And then, you know, and then I'd go to a seminar and I'd hear some guy say, I can't get through the day without spending three hours. And I'd think, oh, three hours? Like, that's a marathon, you know. I'm feeling good about myself after one hour. And it was all, it was all about this achievement thing, right? And, and look, being, being quite sort of achievement-oriented anyway, 
way. I just got drawn into this and endless complexities and, and, and wonderfully, in, in the most wonderful way, God delivered me from that in a wonderful journey and led me to a place of such enjoyment. There, there are, you know, the, the moments in the week that I put aside to spend time with God, I look forward to those moments more than anything else. The change is absolutely remarkable as I look back. Between what prayer, the association that that had for me, maybe going back 15 years, and what it means to me now. I mean, you know, I, it's, it's, it, it has become this place I, I barely want to uh, emerge out of. It's just, uh, it's just a beautiful, beautiful place. And when we go on a journey like that, it's, it's never just about us. And I've realized more and more lately that this is never just about me, that this is a place, this beautiful place of fellowship, this beautiful place. It's not about me. It's about us. God wants to lead us into this place. And we're the ones that, that, that create the complexities, right? We create the complexities. And there are so many lies, there are so many untruths that, that get raised up like great walls and, and, and we get so duped. And of course we do, because this is the most beautiful, empowering thing. This is the thing that God wants more than anything else is for your life to become a beautiful unfolding conversation with your heavenly Father. It can be as simple as that. And what I wanna try to do is to do what I can do to lead you to that place, but you have to be willing, you have to desire this. There came a point when I had to realize that what I had wasn't good enough and that there was surely more than what I had. There was a moment where I said, what is this? This is not what a relationship looks like. This, this is like me, you know, visiting some, uh, you know, some great aunt, you know, that I feel obligated to visit sort of every now and again. And, you know, I go and spend my visit and have cups of tea and, and then kind of, okay, you know, visited aunt, whoever, you know, and ticked the box and, you know, it's like this obligation that, and I, I had to actually say at one point, there is more than, surely this is not what Jesus, this is, surely this isn't what Jesus died for. Surely there's more than this. <laughs> and I want to tell you that there is, that there is something so, so beautiful. And with all my heart, I want to try to show you the way I'm not talking about some place that I haven't been, folks. I want to do, and, and I'm still on this journey, let me say, I'm still on this journey, and this, I know that there's so much more for me as well, but there certainly is for all of us. One of the key things, and I spoke about this last week, and there's a lot to say about this. I probably will spend the rest of my life talking about this sort of thing. But one of the things that I said last week is that it's really important to recognize that we didn't start the conversation. That prayer is always about response. Prayer is conversation with God. God wants our life to be a process of conversation, of interaction with Him. But it's really important that we recognise we didn't start the conversation. We don't initiate the conversation. 
And when we come to God as though we're initiating the conversation, completely ignored everything that God has said and everything that God is saying to us in that moment, it's like there's a communication breakdown. And often we feel, we, you, and, and you might be familiar with that feeling, like there is some kind of communication breakdown. And prayer is a lot about alignment, actually. And that really begins with us responding, responding to what God has said and is saying. What God has said to us, and I talked about that in terms of what God has said in Scripture. We, now that's really important. God has already started the conversation, and it's important that we take a step into that conversation. What God is saying to us by our spirit, you know, God is by his spirit, you know, God is speaking to us all the time. Every day, God is communicating with you. It's not just some intermittent thing. And today I wanna take that point about response one step deeper. There was one particular point where I experienced something like a kind of Copernican revolution in my prayer life, and and I, I use that uh, I use that term because it was a little bit like the situation before Nicholas Copernicus, who, uh, if you're all up with your history of science, I'll just explain that for a, for a moment. Um, before Copernicus, scientists were trying to calculate the movement of the, of the stars and the sun and so forth. And, and the calculations just never, they just never resolved. <laughs> they just, you know, it never really worked, right? The calculations just never seemed to work out because they just assumed that the point of observation, that is the earth, was fixed and everything revolved around the earth. And so when they tried to work out, every, it just never really added up. And it was, and Copernicus's discovery. Well, it was actually there was people before him, but that's that's uh, another thing. But you know, essentially, his dis- discovery that he's famous for is this idea that you now the Earth isn't fixed uh, and static; it's actually moving. That the Earth is is orbiting the Sun and rotating on its axis, and so you have to take that into account, right? Now. This is, this is the point. And so they talk about that as the Copernican revolution in science. Now, my reason for bothering you with that wonderful illustration, I think you'll agree, is, is that I assumed I was relating to God from a neutral standpoint. And that was a big mistake. Because I realised that I was actually beginning not from a neutral standpoint, but from a standpoint of very strong resistance to God. I wasn't neutral, I was running away. Now, I believed and I, you know, I, I was a Christian and, 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 I, and I would, you know, I was trying to pray and, and complaining to God, why are you so far away from me? And feeling, you know, all of the things that we go through. But I was actually, had my back turned because I was holding on to some things. I was holding on to some things that I didn't really want 
God to take hold of. Uh, and so I would come into the presence of God, in, if I may use that picture, a little bit like this, like, hey, hey God, um, yeah, just, I just won't come too close because I just don't want to let go of this stuff. You know. And so I was resistant because there were things in the darkness that I wanted to keep in the dark. And this is what it says in 1 John. 1 John chapter 1. This is the message we heard from him and declared to you that God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Now listen to this. If we, and he's talking, he's including himself, John, the apostle, and the church that he's talking to, an amazing church, early Christians. If we, he says, claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And he says again, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. My dear children, he says, I write this to you so that you will not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. The first thing that we need to respond to in one sense is the grief of God over what we're holding on to, is the grief of God over the things in our lives that grieve Him. In uh, John chapter 16, Jesus points out one of the first things that the Holy Spirit will do because God is light and when light comes into dark places, He highlights what is empty and, and, and deceptive and, and futile. And there are some of those things we hold on to very tightly and I'll, I'll talk about that in a moment. It says when, he says in John chapter 16, when the Holy Spirit, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. This is a very crucial area of response that, is, that has been the key, such a key to, to breaking through for me. You see, a lot of people think that in order to gain access, a real sense of access to, to, to that intimate relationship with God, that we need to bring righteousness. Oh, I've got to bring righteousness. And I just feel like such a failure. Oh, I just can't front up to God because, I, because I'm, just, I'm not right and I just feel like I, I can't bring righteousness. Listen, God doesn't want you, to, he, he's, he's not looking for righteousness because Jesus Christ, who died for your sins on the cross, brought righteousness for you, bought and brought. My mother would appreciate that grammatical difference, uh, <clears throat> but she's not here today, but I'll have to remember that to tell her uh, about this moment. <laughs> he both bought and brought righteousness for us. So what does he want us to bring? He wants us to bring our sin. I remember reading these words in 1 John. This was, um, I think this was about 15 years ago, actually. And I can remember reading this 
and thinking, man, it's been a while. This is, I've told you this before, but this was a very important moment for me. Uh, so I'll repeat the story. I remember thinking, I, well, yeah, confession of sin. Gee, it's, done, it's been a long time since I had a good time of confession, right? So, so uh, I was actually here when the officers were down there and I, I, I had, uh, it, it was a, around lunchtime or something and I went out the back and remember there used to be paddocks around the back, anyone remember that? Uh, there was paddocks, I walked down the paddocks and I'm right, okay, I'm gonna have a good old confession session here and, you know, because I need to confess my sins, right? You know, and, and, uh, and so I, I, I poised myself and, and I thought, okay, um, can't quite think of anything. I, I, I was, you know, I was, you know, really thinking and confess my sin, but I just, I just can't quite think. There must be something there. There must be some small imperfection there, surely. Um, uh, nope. No, got nothing. I'm actually really serious. And I sensed in that moment, I sensed the Spirit of God saying to me, you must be joking. <laughs> this is your problem. You must be joking. And actually in that moment, I felt something rise up within me that was so big, so core, that undermined everything that I thought was righteous about me. This, I, I felt it right, and, and it was just too, oh, no, 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 that's, it's too much, it's too much. So you remember I said to you, it's the moments of greatest truth, right? The moments when you're just about to walk through the doorway, that's when all the opposition comes, all the lies come, all the deception. You are never more liable to be deceived than when you're very, very close to the truth. So in that moment, my thought was, oh, oh no, 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 it's too much, it's too much. That's, I, that's a lot, what a, a reaction a lot of people have. Oh, no, no, oh, no, I can't deal with that. Because the deception is, I need to deal with that. It's too much. I need to get everything right all at once. I can't face this. But you see, it's safe now. It's safe to open up our hearts because there is grace and not judgment. Because we have a spiritual enemy that says, oh, there's judgment. Don't, don't open that. Don't keep it in the dark because there's judgment. Hide, hide, hide. And so we keep these. And so, you know, in that moment, what I did was what I'd often done before and I repressed it, just pushed it back down into the dark place. And I felt God say, let it go, give it to me. Let it rise to the surface. And as I confessed it out to God, it was just, it was the most paradoxical combination of like agony and joy, like this incredible joy, right? This incredible sense of God's grace and like, you know, a door opening to my spirit and the light and the warmth and the love of God just flooding in. And I learned actually that it's the things that we keep behind those closed doors in our hearts. They're the things that dominate and control our lives. It's the things that we hold on to. 
It's that bitterness that I, I'm going to get back at that. It's like, and, and I'm just going to hold on to that thing, right? And I'm going to say, oh, no, no, I've, I've forgiven them. I, you know, but really, we're holding on to that and we're nursing that grudge, you know. And God says, I want that. I want that. I want, I want to open that door because that's going to control you. It's the, the deep ambition, the sense that, oh, I must do this and I must do that and I must succeed. And, and, and I, it's like that, that little voice that's telling us that. And we hold on to that, right? And then we, you know, we, we hold on to these agendas. We get so addicted to them. We hold on and I've got to prove to the world. And we make these deep, uh, what the, the John and Paula Sanford, who founded um, Elijah House, referred to as deep inner vows. You know, we hold on, I must do this or I must never do that. And we hold on to them and we put them behind locked doors. And God says, I want to go in there. Because it's the things that you don't know about yourself, the things that you won't see that are controlling your life and burdening you in such deep, deep ways. But the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. We all have closed doors. And there are places that God wants to go, deep places. And there's a practice of deep confession See, it's more than just moral issues because this, is, this was my mistake. I just kept thinking in just terms of obvious kind of moral issues. And, you know, I'd go through phase, think, well, I think I'm doing okay now. And, oh, gee, wow, I'm really, you know, I think I'm going real great. You know, I'm going really well with this. And, and, but actually, there were much, much deeper issues going on. It's almost like the moral issues were just a distraction from, from the real issues, the deep pride and the God complex and the, 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 you know, the sense of control. And I've got to control my destiny. I'm going to hold on to this and, and, and I'm going to play the judge and, and, and all of these deep things that sit in our hearts that cause us to be resistant. And so we just keep a safe distance from God. We just come into the presence of God and yet... As was often the case with me, I would cry out, Lord, why are you hiding from me? God, why are you always hiding from me? And I realized, actually, I was the one hiding from God. I was the one hiding from him. You see, it's so simple. I just needed to hear God say, I'm not looking for you to bring righteousness. I'm not looking for you to bring righteousness. What I want you to bring is your sin. That is the offering. I'm looking for the broken spirit and the contrite heart that the writer of Psalm 51 says is the sacrifice that God's looking for. That's the sacrifice. That's the offering. Bundle it all up and bring it. There's a beautiful moment in the book of Ezekiel I've always, there's so much truth in this. Because again and again over the years, and, and this is still the case, again and again this principle, this truth, has, has broken me through into the presence of God in such wonderful ways and has brought so much joy to my life. I've always loved the story of Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter 2 and in chapter 3, where Ezekiel has this vision. And in this vision, 
God is holding out a scroll to him. And on the scroll is written all of the words of God's grief. God's grief over his people. If you were to ask the question, Lord, what is it in my life right now that really grieves you the most? That's a hard question to ask because you know God's going to answer that question. Lord, what is it that grieves you right now? Man, we are. It's our culture, we are obsessed with being happy. Oh, I've got to find happiness. I've got to find joy. I've got, actually, the first thing that we need is to recognise and own the sadness of God, of the grief of God. Those who sow in tears, the psalmist says in Psalm 126, those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. And so God is holding out this scroll and on the scroll are written God's testimony against this, but the grief of God. This is what it says. And when I looked, and behold, a hand was stretched out to me, and behold, a scroll of a book was in it. And he spread it before me, and it had written on the front and on the back, and it had writing on the front and the back, and there were written on it words of lamentation and mourning and woe. And do you know, for generations, through his prophets, for generations, God had been holding out this scroll to his people. Is there anyone who will listen? Is there anyone who will listen to what grieves me? Is there anyone who will listen to what grieves me about the alienation and the conflict between you and me, says the Lord? Is there anyone? And he held out that scroll to generation after generation. And the prophets pleaded with the people, please will you just listen? Because the moment you listen, you will be restored and set free like you have no idea what you're holding on to. You have no idea what grows behind those closed doors, those things that you hold on to, what festers in those places. And God held out the scroll and generation after generation, they didn't want a word of it. Oh, no, 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 we just wanna be happy. We just wanna be happy. And here now in this time of exile when God's people have been exiled to a foreign land, God says, okay, Ezekiel, let's try again because God never gives up on us. As long as we live, he pursues and he pursues us and he holds out the scroll. Will you talk with me about this, says the Lord. Will you talk with me about this? Here I am, Jesus said to the church of Laodicea, to a church. There's a corporate aspect of this and I'm gonna talk about that a little bit more at some point in the future. He says, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. And so God says to Ezekiel, let's, let's do this again, Ezekiel. 
for this people who are languishing in exile, who are discouraged and feel condemned and just feel hopeless. And, and he says, the beginning of chapter three, and he said to me, son of man, eat whatever you find here. Eat this scroll, this is a vision. Eat this scroll and go and speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he gave me the scroll to eat. And he said to me, son of man, feed your belly with this scroll that I give you and fill your stomach with it. Then I ate it and it was in my mouth as sweet as honey. Because the truth will set you free. God holds out a scroll to us today, folks. He's holding out that scroll. And he says, who will take the scroll from my hand? Who will take this scroll? Who will listen to my, to my voice? Who will open up their hearts? And the first thing we need to realize is how deeply resistant we actually, you will encounter this. You'll sense this, I'm holding on to this. I'm, I've got this whole identity thing and, and, and I've built this, I've spent years building it. I have these ambitions and, and, and God says, no, no, you give it all to me. I want it all. It's gonna be like death and life experience. Man, there is a death and life experience that God is calling us into. He's calling us into a death and life experience and it's amazing. If you die, you will die and go to heaven. Not just then, but now. Who will take the scroll? As I close, I wanna ask you to stand, please. I'm gonna get the music team to come up. And I'm gonna ask God, to begin to break down some doors today. Because sometimes the doors get jammed. Sometimes the doors get jammed, don't they? And I'm gonna ask God, begin Lord to bring to light those things. And I want you to make a decision today. Are you willing to take the scroll? Are you willing to let go of those things that you're holding on to. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. How gentle and how loving you are. Lord, even now would you shine your light in our hearts. Lord, would you show each person here which doors you're asking access to? Lord, would you bring to the surface those things that are poisoning our lives that we might have an offering 
to bring to you today. As the psalmist says, you do not delight in burnt offerings or sacrifices, or surely I would bring it. But the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a contrite heart. Lord, you will never despise this offering. Holy Spirit, come and stir within each heart in this place today. Lord, if you need to break in, we call on your name that you would break in because whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. And so today, Lord, as individuals and most importantly as a church today, One Hope Church, Lord, on behalf of this church, I receive the scroll. On behalf of this church, Lord, I receive the scroll from your hand that we might fill our bellies with this scroll, that it might be sweet as honey on our lips. Lord, you are breaking down walls. You are putting to death that you might raise to life. You are setting us free. We yield to you, we surrender to you. a ray of light and the light is getting brighter so let it be Lord in Jesus name let's respond together with this song